Yeah, all right. So I'm going to give a talk on uh, the origin of uh, Sangratita's system of spiritual discipline. It used to be called the system of meditation. Uh, and, um, yeah, I suppose the, the, a, a central reason why I uh, want to talk about this, or I've been kind of um, looking into this area, is, uh, well, I think sometimes... Um, uh, you get a sense in which um, our movement is always having to seemingly having to kind of fight for validation or something like that, you know, like um, against maybe the um, uh, maybe like Theravada Buddhism of Southeast Asia, who sort of claim that you know they are, you know, they descend, you know, the, the, it's the way of the elders, so they descend down from the, you know, from the Buddha's first, uh, the main two disciples, Sariputra and Moggallana, and kind of like ignore the rest of the Buddhist world. Uh, but the, the, there's, a, there's a kind of story there, you know, there's a story within uh, the, the, the history of Buddhism of how the different schools have kind of evolved and uh, Changed and you know gone through different phases and sometimes you get a, you get um, uh, you get it's natural you know if, if you end if you have a any sort anything really anything creative and then it starts to become uh, mainstream and you have like huge great universities full of monks you're all studying things it, there's a tendency to for things to just become a bit ossified, you know, and a bit kind of uh, lose the, the 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 original sense and meaning of uh, of the thing. So, uh, so you know, I think in the history of Buddhism, you, you keep getting these kind of correctives happening, where there'll be a movement and then there'll be a kind of corrective. Uh, so there were there were three great phases of Buddhism. There's the Hinayana, or, or what's called Nikaya Buddhism. Um, the Mahayana and the Vajrayana and in a way each was kind of correcting in balance in the previous one um, so I'm, I'm going to uh, talk a bit about the br- a brief history of, of Buddhism um, I'm going to say a bit about you know what Sangratita's system of spiritual discipline is this is good isn't it? I'm, doing, I'm doing what you're supposed to do say what you're going to say <laughs> Um, I'm going to say uh, you know, how and when it was introduced uh, and then uh, when it was like reviewed and uh, kind of developed. Uh, I'm going to say a bit about what it's based on, uh, where it comes from, and, and where that came from, where that, uh, that um, what's called the Mahayana Five Paths uh, came from. And it, I don't know, I might say a bit about the Four Foundations of Mindfulness it depends how things go. But there'll be que- time for question and answers at the end, so I'm hoping to kind of uh, see, what you, see what you want to sort of talk about, really. I think that's the best way. Okay. So um, I'll start by talking about the history of Buddhism. Um, so, so it all began with the Buddha, uh, roughly 500 uh, BCE, and um, the, there were many. There have been many schools of Buddhism, 
But the basic shape of what happened is that about 100 years after, after the Buddha, there was, uh, there was a split uh, between the Staviravadins, this means elder, so the, 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 those who are the, the, the way of the elders, and the Mahasangikas, which is like the greater community. And according to uh, Andrew Skilton in, in Concise History of Buddhism, there was maybe a hundred of these you know, people, uh, and they were wanting to have kind of more rules. You know. And the Buddha said that uh, the minor rules don't need to be, um, you know, they're not, impo- not that important, but they were wanting to emphasise minor rules and things. And this was the greater community who were maybe more in touch with the spirit uh, rather than the letter of Buddhism. So the Mahasangikas were the, the precursors of the Mahayana. Uh, and then the St- Staviravadins uh, split about 250 BCE, time, at the time of Shoka, into three uh, schools. The Pudgalavadins, which are not important to the, the, the argument here, the Vibhajayavadins, and this, this means analyzers. So it's like they were interested in kind of analyzing, kind of scholar, scholar, scholarship, um, uh, picking things apart, and the Savastivadins. So th- they had two different views here. That this lot kind of looked at, at the present moment all the time, you know, what's going on in the present moment, analysing things in the present moment. And they came up with kind of uh, the Abhidharma, a great sort of theory of how everything worked in the present moment. But the Savastivadins, the names, this means uh, all, Sava, uh, they thought that actually you needed to look at phenomena or dharmas in across the whole of time, you know, all three t- uh, past, present and future. So their view, in a way, was a bit more um, kind of developmental or uh, less analytical sort of thing. So the, uh, the analyzers turned into the Theravadins. You know, that, this was the school that kind of came down from that. So in Theravada Buddhism, which is in Southeast Asia places like Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, all those countries. Uh, you know, there's a, the emphasis is on mindfulness, it's on being in the present moment, uh, it's on insight, vipassana. Uh, in particular, in, in a way, their path starts with insight. It starts off with looking for the three lakshanas, um, the three marks of conditioned existence in experience, and whatever will help you do that. So um, that isn't the, the the view, you know, where you have a grad, you have a kind of you have to prepare yourself first. You know, they kind of dive straight in, and they're just looking all the time for, you know, sort of in, to the sudden realization of impermanence or whatever. So this is one thread here. And then you've got this other thread that happens, which is from the Savastavadins. So about 800, uh, 800, you know, Christian era, common era, uh, what happened was that there was a a teaching called the Five Paths uh, arose. 
And, uh, by, you know, the Mahayana had got going a long time before that. So the Mahayana is bringing in compassion and uh, emotional uh, cultivation and it's balancing wisdom and compassion. Uh, so the five paths were... Um, uh, are what Sangharachita's system of meditation or system of spiritual discipline is based on. So it's a kind of... Um, it's not coming from the Theravada, it's coming from this other route. And, um, and it's influenced by the Mahayana. So, uh, I'll miss something out here. So, about, um, so here, uh, mindfulness, so this, com- this comes down, and in a way, it sort of meets secular mindfulness way down here, you know, which very much focuses on the present moment, you know. Uh, but, uh, 160 BCE, um, what you had was uh, uh, Alexander the Great had gone over to India, and there were these like kingdoms, you know, just near India that were kind of Greek or Roman ki- kingdoms. And uh, King Menander, of one, who was one of the king of one of these kingdoms, he had a, a dialogue with a monk called Nagasena, and Nagasena. Uh, was you know was asking well what's the what's the mark of this what's the mark of that and he says well what's the mark of mindfulness and Nagasena says well the mark of mindfulness is like is basically being aware of what's light what's dark what's bright what, you know and all that. basically what's skillful and what's unskillful so this is very different from just being in the present moment which is what you know so yeah. So that you know, so that that's an important thing to bear in mind as well. Um, so in a way, the uh, you know the five paths. What it what it does is it brings together uh, the four foundations of mindfulness. So it starts with the four foundations of mindfulness, but then it kind of re it kind of adds ethics, meditation, and wisdom in again. Because it's gone from here, you know. It's turned into this dry sort of thing, you know. So, it's, so when Sangrachita introduced mindfulness, he didn't talk about the four foundations of mindfulness because for them, for, you know, when, when it, probably when he looked at it, they were saying it consists of body, feelings, mind or thought, and mental objects. Well, you know, how do people make sense out of that? And where's the emotional development you know, in that? So he, he sort of came up with four dimensions of awareness. Awareness of environment, self, which is body, feelings and thoughts, other people, which is the metabhavna, and reality. So in a way, he's, he's, he's doing this one. He's bringing this in, the Mahayana view of things. And he's just ignoring that because he's seeing it as irrelevant. So, you know, he had a critique of this kind of meditation which led to, you know, in his own experience, led people into alienated states and even mental illness. So, the, um, you know, what he came up with uh, were five stages of the spiritual life. Um, Integration, positive emotion, spiritual death, spiritual rebirth, and spontaneous compassionate activity. Uh, 
and it's, what he said was, um, uh, to me, it seems to me that we can regard the whole spiritual life as consisting of five great stages. These very roughly cons- correspond to the five paths of the Indian Buddhist tradition. But I won't go at this stage very much into that comparison. Uh, it just wants a straightforward one in terms of needs, giving something that's useful in terms of needs and experience. And he sort of says, you can get lost in the detail of the five paths. So he didn't want to, he, he didn't want to teach that because he felt like people would get lost in it. Uh, but I think it's, it's useful to look at it and sort of see how it informs our you know, our, our uh, teaching here. So in, um, um, in, in his teaching uh, of meditation, uh, uh, one of the key influences uh, on him in the 1950s was uh, a guy called Yogi Chen, who lived in Kalimpong, uh, and he, he was a kind of Chinese hermit um, who... Yeah, just been living there. He was a bit of a, a bit of a kind of expert on meditation and uh, you know Tibetan Buddhism and all sorts. And he 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 kind of he went along to Yogi Chen with this other guy, and he got him to just <laughs> he, he just drew out of him all this stuff, you know, because uh, he wasn't very good at just expressing it himself. So he just drew it all out from him. So originally um, in the nineteen sixties, were in the uh, tape lectures where he talks about meditation um, he was basing uh, it, what he said on Yogi Chen's material which was um, um, the five basic med- methods of meditation so he sort of said okay there's the mindfulness of breathing, metta bhavna six element practice the contemplation of the, of the unlovely uh, and, and con- contemplation of conditionality and these all led to these all had hindrances associated with them, but also led to uh, various things. But uh, in the 1970s, in a, um, a seminar at Padmaloka, 1976, uh, Mind in Buddhist Psychology, um, he starts to look at the five paths which come from the dual, Tibetan work called the Dual Ornamental Liberation. Um, and this is where some of this comes from. So what he, uh, he was talking about was, he was sort of saying, okay, so the four foundations of mindfulness, so the, the, path, so the five paths are five consecutive paths. The path of accumulation, preparation, seeing, practice, and no more learning. So in the first path, you've got the four foundations of mindfulness, the four right efforts, and the four bases of success. And what he was saying, he, was, he addressed in that seminar the, the Theravada idea that you just have to bring mindfulness to something to transform it. You know, it's very common in secular mindfulness, that, that idea. You know. uh, and he said, well, does that work? He asked the people in the seminar, does that work in your experience? And they said, no, it doesn't really. You know. And he says, well... Just bringing mindfulness to something can, you know, might transform it, but it might just take a very long time, you know. So what you had to do was you had to bring some effort to it, you know, to transform it. So the four right efforts are basically 
transforming the, the unskillful to the skillful. So this is the origin of. Um, so okay. So here with integration, what he's addressing is the Theravada tendency to teach mindfulness in a way which leads to alienation. So, and in the sixties, there was a lot of emphasis. There was a lot of you know stuff coming out about psychology and the unconscious and all that sort of thing. And he was trying to bring this in really and address the unconscious. So. He started talking about horizontal and vertical integration and, you know, bringing, you know, your, your subconscious depths and, your, and the heights into your meditation to, in, con- in contact with the conscious mind, you know. So this is addressing mindfulness being alien, a tendency or danger of it becoming alienated. So starting off with trying to get people to, to you know, just... Um, be there with the whole of themselves in their practice. And a lot of the practices in Tri Ratna have evolved for that, you know, to bring this about. So community, you know, reporting in, it's all about kind of revealing the depths of yourself. And it's not like you sort of, we're all, this, we're all just individual practitioners in having individual contact with some teacher, but not interacting with each other. So so the community aspect really forces us to be integrated and because we have to keep saying, <laughs> you know, what's going on and so we have to kind of admit it and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, so this is a, um, you know, so mindfulness is put very much into, it puts it very much in terms of integration. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then... Um, the four right efforts, uh, Pamavadra sort of said, oh, is this, the, it feels a bit like meta, that, you know, and he said, well, yeah, it is really. Uh, you know, it's, it's about developing the skillful. So I think this is the origin of um, the fact that the four right efforts are there is the origin of having positive emotion there in the, in the system of, of meditation. Okay. Now, um, it doesn't it doesn't bring in the path of preparation uh, into the system. It just moves straight onto spiritual death, which, in a way, is, it's it's the insight side of things. But um, but the path of preparation consists of the spy, the five spiritual faculties uh, developed to be powers. So a power is a is an unshakable spiritual faculty. So He's got mindful, there's mindfulness in the middle, which kind of oversees the development of concentration, samadhi, virya, uh, energy in pursuit of the good, faith or shraddha, and wisdom or pranya. So here, th- there's been a lot of emphasis on the five spiritual faculties in our movement, you know, in uh, what is the Dharma, the pattern of Buddhist life and work, you know. It talks about how that in the Hindus they just do one yoga, you know, it might be back to yoga or whatever. But the Buddhists do a, the range of things. So the, the develop, so as Buddhists, we're developing our whole person up, all the aspects of ourselves up to the low, to, to the level of, it, of, the, of, of being a power, really. You know, so it's a bit like 
we develop our faith to be unshakable, our wisdom to be unshakable, our concentration to be unshakable, our energy in pursuit of the good. In a way, our robustness in the face of difficulty to be unshakable, and our mindfulness to be unshakable. So this is a little bit like the fourth dhyana, where you, you're really kind of trying to get yourself into a state where your mind is going to be completely receptive and positive and able to take reality in, you know. So, so this path preparation naturally leads to the path of seeing, which is the path of vision. Uh, so in Theravada, don't have the path of vision, the path of transformation. This is where Bhante got it from. The path of vision or the path of seeing. Uh, and this, again, isn't just seeing the... Uh, the Theravada tends to focus on the, how things fall apart or the negative side of things. This is a very positive, um, constructive uh, spiral path, really. It's, it's got mindfulness, investigation of phenomena, and then virya, joy, tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. So in a way, what you could see this as doing is, it's like the mind is ready here, we're ready, and now we're just looking at reality, and we're bringing mindfulness to all the phenomena in reality and sort of investigating it. And in particular, what Buddhism is interested in investigating things for is whether they're skillful or not or whether they lead to, you know, to happiness or suffering. So, it, you know, when you see that something doesn't lead to happiness, uh, Buddha Gosha talks about the man putting his hand into the water to, to grab a fish out the net he pulls it out and it's a snake and there's three marks on its forehead and he goes ah and he throws it back and it's a bit like he sees the he sees the danger in that thing whatever it is you know so it's a bit like he sees the downfall it's marked by impermanence you know it's you know unconditioned the three lachinas so it's not going to help in terms of the the path you know so when we start getting rid of all the things, start to see through samsara, see what's not helpful, what is helpful, then we start taking up just what is helpful. Uh, and it becomes easier to just experience uh, joy, tranquility, concentration and stuff like that. Because we do start shifting our we start going for refuge more and more to, to what's going to be helpful. Um, and we start, and we just drop everything else. And then the, the, the spiritual rebirth, uh, here we've got the path of transformation. So this is the Noble Eightfold Path, or the Transcendental Noble Eightfold Path in the five paths. So this is us transforming our the whole of our self, our unconscious tendencies, our deeper, deeper tendencies, in the light of this vision. Uh, and, yeah, it's, again, it's a kind of, it's a, it's a constructive thing. We're not just stopping here and just looking into, seeing things are impermanent and then you know, thinking that's enough, you know. We ha- we're bringing something into the world here. So the Transcendental Noble Eightfold Path is a person doing the Transcendental Eightfold Path, you know. And then finally, 
the last path is, is nirvana, basically. It's the path of no more learning. There's nothing, there's nothing more uh, to be done. Okay. Um, I think that's probably enough, actually. That you know, we could have a bit of a uh, questions and a bit of a discussion. So we've had a little bit of a discussion. So is there any anything that you that's come up for you? You want to talk about? So Steve asked the question about um, is um, are the different uh, stages related to the different yanas? You know, Hinayana, Mahayana, Vajrayana, and is the is spiritual death, spiritual rebirth, spiritual rebirth related to the the Vajrayana? Uh, um, well, I think uh, it, a lot of the pra- a lot of the meditation practices are veg- uh, Tibetan visualization practices. So, uh, so yeah, in a way. Um, but uh, um, and I, you know, I think Sangha Rachita found that in the 1950s, he there was something missing in his spiritual life, really, until he came across the Tibetans and and he learnt. Uh, Bodhisattvas and Buddha you know, visualization practices because it gave him that direction to go in. So yeah, I think I, th- I think there is that link really. Yeah, yeah. Pekshi Priya saying, uh, where does spiritual receptivity fit in? Because he thought it was one of the five aspects of our practice. So there's a sheet I prepared earlier. <laughs> um, so yeah, in um, uh, Sabuti's paper, Initiation into a New Life, um, he goes in. He it keeps getting reinvented. The whole thing, you know, spirit, system of meditation, system of spiritual life, system of spiritual discipline. Um, so yeah, I think what's what's being emphasised is that um, there is like the five. The, these are like in a there is an aspect in which they are. Uh, a system which, where one leads to the next, and you know you de- you kind of get looking to go in the, this direction. Cause, but obviously, you end up in state of Buddhahood here. Uh, but and the, and the one builds on the next, so you can't really um, develop positive emotion unless you're kind of wholly present. You know, because you're trying to transform the whole the whole of yourself, not just a part of yourself. And then you can't really face change unless you've got this kind of calm integrated you know positive outlook to life so you know so it is temporal like this because in the uh, Chittapala's paper about um, revisiting this system he talks about spatial and temporal types uh, but there's also an aspect in which it is spatial so and by spatial what it means is like you're bringing them all up together, or you're bringing them all up. Um, and in the original, um, uh, you know, five uh, what was it uh, five basic methods of meditation? You're doing that really. You know, it's saying, well, you need to do mindfulness breathing, metabhavana, some insight practice. So I think I think you know, Sabuti is like re-emphasising the fact that. Um, uh, you know, you do need to work on 
these separately as well. And, but he brings in spiritual receptivity here uh, as, you know, uh, which goes with this one here. So it's like, this is, this is like just sitting, but it's just sitting as an enlightened being. Uh, this is just sitting in a way, but it's, it's like sitting and being receptive or uh, being receptive both to your own experience because I think one of the things about just sitting is um, it's taught as a, as a way of ca- catching up with yourself when you've been doing developmental practice. You know, so you do the metabolism and you do just sitting, you do master breathing and you do just sitting. So it's like catching up is part of, of your meditation practice. Uh, so, so that's how it fits in with, uh, with this, really. Is that... Exactly. So after Vardin saying, uh, does this relate to just meditation or does it relate to the whole of our spiritual life? And I think it's, it started off being talked about as meditation, but uh, Sangharachita has always emphasised that medita- we shouldn't just be looking at our meditation, we should be looking at the whole of our life, spiritual life and our ethics and everything like that. So I think... The, the system of meditation has gradually been replaced with the system of spiritual life or the system of spiritual discipline. So I think that's how we're seeing it now, as applying to our whole life. And I think the, the thing of uh, integration, um, it's a very kind of broad term, isn't it? It's, not, it's, not, you know, it's like, how do you practice integration? Well, you practice it, you have to practice it on the whole of your spiritual life, you know. It's not just something that you do in meditation. Can you give some examples? Well, I think I did earlier when I talked about um, being in contact with the Sangha and reporting in and, um, you know, you're trying to be kind of like transparent to, to other people and yourself, you know, and be aware of the, si- the sides of yourself that are kind of that are weaker, that need developing, you know. Um, and it's here in the, in the five spiritual faculties because uh, to the extent that any of the five spiritual faculties isn't unshakable, is weak, you know, then you're going to have problems, you know. If, you, if your wisdom is, is weak, you know, then you'll be seeing things in the wrong way, you know. So, so I think this just really emphasises that you need all of these. I think they're called spiritual faculties because um, they make up what it is to be a spiritual being. You know, uh, so you, you know you need all of them kind of up and running. And you know, so they you know they all they all come from a part of us. So if we don't have integration, then we we there's something's going to be missing there. Uh, but. Yeah, but I, th- I think it's an ongoing process, you know, and we, we can be developing... I think what Sabuti's pointing at is, like, you might kind of get so far and then you come back again, you know, and, like, get more of yourself behind the thing, whatever it is, you know. And I think, I think this is this really... I mean, in this system, in the five-path system, the path of seeing, when it's completed, it's, it's equivalent to stream entry, you know, so you, you get... You'd be enlightened, although it's a bodhisattva, it's a Mahayana path, basically. 
you know, you guaranteed nirvana within seven lifetimes. Yeah, so, uh, so at stream entry, um, you, have, you have right view. So you see, you see clearly what, you know, what you need to do. I, think, I suppose that's it. That's what it means, really. Uh, path, you know, being able to see clearly. So you kind of, you're clear about what you, ne- what you need to practice and practice on and everything like that. So uh, nothing of that is missing, uh, but you haven't done it yet. So it's like you haven't applied it to the whole of yourself. So um, stream entry is equivalent to um, what's called right view with Ashravas. So it's Ashravas are uh, biases or you know kind of unskillful kind of t- you know, tendencies. So nirvana is right view with our, without Ashravas. So you don't have any. There's nothing holding you back, or there's nothing untransformed. But the path from here to here involves you chain you know, transforming the deeper kind of unconscious tendencies within yourself that are called anasaya latent tendencies so it's like you might think oh yeah meditation is a great idea and all that sort of thing but you still don't do it you know as, as often as you might but as you transform that those deeper tendencies emotional tendencies you do start doing it more and more as your emotions are actually behind it you know so this this here this path here is all about the transform transformation of the deeper subconscious emotions fears all that sort of stuff you know so that it's all in line with with how things are so you don't you know you're not afraid of things or you know you don't get angry or you know you don't hate people so yeah so you know obviously you know when you're just here, you're not all integrated because there's all whole chunks of yourself are still not in line with this, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Isabel's saying um, compassionate activity, is that like the stage of radiation? Yeah. Uh, do you mean the, um, in, as in the, the dhyanas? So, the, can, this, uh, this is a stage of uh, enlightenment, compassionate, spontaneous compassionate activity. Uh, so Sangratita talks about the in the, the dhyanas, the four dhyanas, states of meditation. The highest one is the stage of radiation, uh, and that's that's the fourth dhyana. Yeah, um, and uh, I think a way of seeing that is um, in the fourth dhyana, you you um, it's described as uh, something like parisuddhi and pariyodata. So it's it's completely pure and it's completely, uh, odata means white, so it's like transparent or something like that. And I think what that means is like you're completely able to take reality in uh, and you're completely pure in the sense of that you, 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 you create only skillful mental states. So when you're in that state, it's like nothing can... Um, you know, you, you, feel, you must feel kind of... And the images of a man who's had a bath and he's wrapped himself in a white cloth. So the, um, it's a bit indicative as, that you, nothing can touch you because uh, you're so positive, you know, that you are... You're, it's more like you're infecting your environment than the, the environment's affecting you. And that must really be happening in a state of enlightenment, you know, that nothing can uh, 
affect you, and in fact you're just affecting your environment. Yeah. So Isabel says that she, she likes the idea of being a positive, yes. radiation as being like a positive force in the world. Yeah, inspiring sort of, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, so you, can, uh, uh, you can be just doing compassionate activity short of an enlightenment, is, it, is what you're saying, yeah. You said that that, that stage is spontaneous. But it is, yeah, it is spontaneous uh, compassionate activity. So, so, um, so Artavard is making the point that uh, with spontaneous compassionate activity, that it is activity. So it is, um, it's you know, it, it's it, it's evident in in you. You know, it's it's visible in you. Uh, you know, it, com- it comes out in you. Yeah, and it, it just is saying that it's, um, it's fairly obvious to people, you know, that you know, externally it's not, you know, that, that you are like that because it's just manifesting outwardly in the world. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a connection with the Mogasidi or something that you, you're just embodying something and fearlessly just being it, you know, kind of thing. And you really only do that when you've kind of, you've, You've got that sort of strength behind your practice stuff. Yeah, so Artaban is making the point that um, there's a lot of interest at the moment in kind of insight and like direct pointing and all that sort of thing, and and there's not a lot of um, talk about how it manifests outwardly and stuff. Like that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I think that um, the. Uh, you know what's being emphasised here from spiritual death onwards is is uh, the, the 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 creative side of conditionality. You know that that you know uh, it's like something's being released. You know, so it's, it's a bit like when you give up your identity as you, whatever it is. Uh, it's not like you just then have no identity. You know, what you do is you take up a Buddhist identity. Um, and in 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 the uh, Kerbert Gunter's talking about the path of preparation. He, he he says it's linked with something called Gotrabu, which means you're taking up a lineage. You know, so it's a bit like you're part of all this process is deeper and deeper going for refuge. So you know, when all of these, all of the five spiritual faculties are linked to Nirvana. So it's a bit like. It's wisdom in, you know, the sense of the Buddha's wisdom. It's faith in the three jewels. It's concentration on the goal. It's, it's ethical robustness that's about being ethical, being robust and doing Buddhist ethics. And it's mindfulness, you know, overseeing all of that. So, so this is inherently about going for refuge and deepening it. Um, so, you know, so this is what you, you're doing more and more as you go down there. Yeah, so Gauravachit is saying that, um, you know, we only really have this kind of freedom to kind of uh, express ourselves through, you know, spiritual rebirth once we've got out of the way the, the you know, what's, what's this, you know, the self, you know, that's just kind of there. And after we've got, you know, got rid of that a bit, we've got the freedom really to play and, you know, do the things like, you know, ex- as expressed in the Vimlaka in Nidesha, you know, through Vimlakirti's play. 
So Sue's so, so wondering if death is the right word, really, for in spiritual death. Uh, and she's talking about, like, because what, what the experience is is of expansion, uh, and um, it doesn't have that flavour of, uh, you know, of death. And Garabitia agreed with that. I think I agree with it, actually, as well. It's, but I suppose the, the thing is that... Um, uh, we need to kind of keep in mind what it's talking about. What 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 is the thing that's dying? You know, and in a way, I think it's the it's the limited self view is dying. You know, and uh, so that naturally leads to an expanded self view, where more is possible, and you know, more can kind of come into being if we imagine it. You know. So I think this is, spiritual rebirth is very much about imagination, and what we can, you know what we imagine we might do or what might be possible and things. So yeah, yeah. So Atavadin saying, could you say that spiritual death and spiritual rebirth are just two sides of the same coin, and you can't have one without the other? So yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's what, what's being pointed to. I suppose with each um, each. Each of the stages, it's almost like you. Each one is part of the next one, you know. So it's a bit like you can't really have spiritual death unless you've got enough positive emotion, you know. So it will just won't happen, you know. So you don't, you know, and you can't have spiritual rebirth unless you've got spiritual death. So, so Stereo is making the point that he, he quite likes death, the word death here in this context. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, because it does actually uh, does actually describe what the experience is like. You know, when you get when you kind of letting go of something that you're kind of familiar with or dear, that's dear to you, and all that sort of thing. So Paul's just saying, "What are we waiting for? We've got a very short life. We need to get on with it." <laughs> okay, so we'll end there. Thank you very much. Thank you.